Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're in Torah portion number 47 today. Uh, in Deuteronomy 11 through 16, and uh, this is a, a teaching today on, uh, it's entitled Rie, R-E-E-H, and it's, uh, it means to see, it's about vision, and so today I'm going to teach the message on, do you have sight but no vision? Do you have sight but no vision? But uh, uh, as we get into this study today, I want to first remind everybody that tomorrow night the fall biblical holiday season begins. Uh, It officially begins on the 1st of Elul, and it launches us into a 40-day season that ancient wisdom calls the season of Teshuvah. It's the season of return. Uh, It's the season of repentance. And it's also the season of the shofar when God uh, blows the shofar daily for 40 days leading up to Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Shofars, and the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And so it's a time uh, when God puts out this annual call uh, for us to return to Him. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. And part of this is to examine ourselves and make sure that our priorities are God's priorities. Okay? And also to make sure uh, that uh, we're being a blessing, we're being a light to the world. And so the shofar, I brought my shofar. It's a little dusty, I haven't used it in a while. But uh, let's just uh, see what happens here. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. If you're listening on the podcast, hopefully that didn't short circuit your equipment. (laughs) Amen. And so uh, it's a time to awaken from any spiritual slumber. It's just something embedded on God's calendar to make sure that we're reminded uh, to be about our Father's business, loving and serving God, loving and serving others. Amen. And so it's a great time to make sure our tithes and offerings are up to date, getting extra seed into good soil, and going the extra mile with our good deeds because Judgment Day is coming. One day we'll be judged for all of eternity. Uh, But until then, on God's uh, calendar, there's this annual cycle. And uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur are uh, times of judgment. Not every judgment is a bad thing. You could be in front of the judge, and the judge could award you a multi-million dollar judgment in your favor because you're right. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the other guy was the wrong one, right? Uh, but usually those things don't come without some kind of legal fight. You have a legal document called the B-I-B-L-E. And in that document, it's covenant promises. And if, if you're doing your father's will, taking care of your father's business, you're trending in the right direction. Amen. And so we're, we're not necessarily in Christianity as a whole taught to honor and respect biblical holidays, but they are the feasts of the Lord. God says in Leviticus 23, these are my feasts. Yes, they're Jewish feasts. And we're not trying to culturally or religiously appropriate anything and turn it into something it was never meant to be. And yet at the same time, we're grafted in. And so being grafted in means that uh, whatever God embedded into his appointed times, whatever spiritual blessing and reward that was embedded into these times uh, are yes for the Jewish people, but also yes and amen to you and me. And so uh, we want to... Uh, get into, uh, uh, and we'll get into it over the next 40 days and talk a little bit about Elul. Uh, now, we, we did put together, if you go to Pastor's website, LarryHuckMinistries.com, there's a way to opt in to a free 40-day devotional on 40 days of the shofar. So you just go into your search engine, Larry Huck. Find Larry Huck Ministries and click on that. The home page, you'll see a big banner there. Uh, get this uh, devotional free and you'll get free access to 40 teachings that Pastor has done. You get them all at once. You can read them all in one day or one day at a time for 40 days. It all starts tomorrow night. So, uh, uh, yes. Uh, we're in an appointed time. So I want to pivot to uh, uh, today's Torah study now. And uh, just by way of review, over the past several weeks, we studied on the Shema. There's insights and revelation on Shema Israel. Amen. Hear, O Israel. And uh, as we uh, discussed, uh, the expanded definition of Shema. Uh, means to hear intelligently, pay attention, discern, give ear to, perceive, understand. These are things that God stirs up in these 40 days of Elul. But uh, just as a general Christian rule, Judeo-Christian rule, we're to hear, O Christian, hear, O Israel, with discernment. With intelligence, by paying attention to and perceiving and understanding what is the Spirit of the Lord saying. The late great rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of England, explained it this way in a great essay on the meaning of the Shema. You can look that up on his website, Rabbi Sachs. The meaning of the Shema. And he says in Judaism, faith is a form of listening. Yeah? Shema Israel does not mean hear, O Israel. It means something like listen, concentrate, give the word of God your most focused attention. Strive to understand. 
Engage all your faculties, your intellect and and emotions and make His will your own. Amen. That's Jewish teaching. So what, what is God saying? He's saying, Hero Christian, with intelligence and discernment, perception, so you'll understand the covenant relationship I've put in effect in your life. That way you'll better understand how to serve me. Amen. You'll better understand my laws and principles and commandments and how to correctly apply them in your life. Right? So the word Shema is used in Deuteronomy 92 times. And it's just as Israel is about to enter the promised land. And so what precedes entering your promised land is what we're teaching on. This hearing, perceiving, understanding, discerning, so that you rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? But also when you go into your Strong's Concordance, the word Shema is found under the English word obey. Obey. And so God is showing us there's a connection between hero Christians and obeying what you hear. And uh, this is what brings the success and prosperity, the abundant life. John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and that life more abundantly. Not just in the sweet by and by, but down here on the ground while we're still around. Right? So, when you get into today's study, there's an interesting turn and twist to the teaching. And the Lord shifts the emphasis from Shema Israel to Rie Israel. And that's the title of the Torah study today. And it all springs out of the opening text, and you can turn to Deuteronomy 11.26. And God says, this is from the complete Jewish Bible, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the mitzvah of Adonai, your God, that I am giving you today. Mitzvot, mitzvah, is our commandments, laws, principles, guidelines. And the blessing, if you listen to the mitzvah of, of Adonai, your God. And the curse, if you don't listen. But end up turning aside from the way I am ordering you today and follow other gods that you have not known. And so the Shema, as we've been learning, emphasizes hearing, but today God is emphasizing seeing. You see what I'm saying? And the Bible definition of this word, Rie, and some translations, it may be the one you're using, uses the word behold. But the Hebrew word is see. And it means to see, to look at, to inspect, to perceive, consider, have vision, have regard to, learn about, observe, watch, look upon, find out. 
give attention to, discern, and distinguish. So what God is wanting us to understand as we pivot out of Shema into Riyadh is that when it comes to blessings and cursings, we've been given a free will. We've been given the right to choose our direction in life. What we prioritize, what we emphasize. And we should learn to distinguish, discern, give attention to, observe, learn about, have vision, inspect, perceive the differences, the benefits, the rewards, the penalties, the consequences that come with our choices. So we're ending up on a pathway where we're learning how to consistently compare what we want to pursue, what we think is right, and we're comparing it consistently. Over time, day in and day out, 24-7, we're uh, trying to see things through the lens that God gives us. He's laid out guidelines. He's laid out principles. There's a way that is right and there's a way that is wrong. And so virtually every decision we make can be settled by asking ourselves, will it lead to more blessing or will it lead to more cursing? And this is where we need to see some things. We need to use our spiritual vision and see with the eye of faith. God has given each of us a measure of faith and the ability to see things through the lens of faith. Not just through a natural lens, but through a supernatural lens. You have that ability. We're talking about something much more than just natural vision. Do you have eyesight but no vision? Right? God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And if we use the lens God gives us, inevitably we're going to see with 2020 spiritual vision. (laughs) Because God is right. Let, let, Let every man be a liar, but God is right. Okay, If we rely solely on our natural vision, then what happens, see, we all have these inclinations and tendencies embedded in our human nature. No one's exempt from that. No one was born walking on water. Okay? And our Christian life is a journey trying to minimize and see how human nature influences us, that needs to go on the decline. And our supernatural tendency, the divine attributes and tendencies of God need to be on the incline. But human nature uh, means that we'll likely see and do what is right in our own eyes. And so discerning, understanding, perceiving, and, and all the things that we've just talked about all go... Sounds like a full-time job. This is where a pastor like myself, I don't like the grace, the hyper-grace message that says there's nothing you need to do. Please. 
<laughs> Spare me your argument. <laughs> There's nothing you need to do beyond saying, Jesus, come into my life, forgive every sin, uh, and uh, uh, thank you for eternal life. I mean, that's all settled in, in your confession of faith at the altar, your born-again prayer. But from that point on, work out your salvation. Don't just talk to me about God. Do what God says in your life. And that sometimes creates a conflict because hard work is involved. Effort is involved. And people get the mistaken impression, well, I I don't have to work. You're not earning your salvation. You're working your way into a better life. The abundant life. Eternal life and abundant life aren't the same thing. Eternal life is in the sweet by and by. Abundant life is down on the ground while we're still around. So Deuteronomy 12.8 explains this and it says, You shall not at all do as we are doing here today. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Right? And so that's the natural tendency, and we have to countermanage against that. Doing what's right in our eyes. Well, I thought. God's ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. So we're transitioning out of the way that we would do it. And we're cross-checking the way God would do it. Hopefully, more and more, it's in alignment. Have you ever driven a car that's badly aligned? And it keeps trying to steer you off the road into a ditch. A few weeks ago, we taught on Korak's rebellion and the deception uh, aspect that came with that. And we related that deception in Korak's life to 1 John 2.16. You can turn over there. 1 John 2.16. The Apostle John taught us some things there so that we wouldn't get ensnared or worse, ensnare ourselves. There's deception and then there's self-deception. And the last thing we want is to be self-deceived and think we're doing it God's way when in reality, do. Do debt. (laughs) And 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And so here there's these... Three deceptions. The lust of the flesh is the passion. And this is speaking to gratifying our physical desires at the cost of our commitment to living for God. We, godliness is out the window. Well, I'm, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. And a lot of people use that as a crutch. And well, you know, and we won't get into all of that, but... We have to make sure that the lust of the flesh, these passions, aren't the thing that is driving us in our life. Amen? Because it might be feel good and it might be right in your eyes, but is it right in the eyes of God? 
That's where you get into these situations where people are going to church and the pastor is saying that if you're living in an illicit relationship, that's all good and fine. God loves you and doesn't care. Well, when did he change that? There a new Bible out? <laughs> the flesh is always driving us towards fulfilling carnal human desire. And a lot of that is sinful. The second thing that uh, the Apostle John mentions is lust of the eyes. We're talking about do you have sight but no vision? The lust of the eyes, external attractions that you're focused on and that Satan uses and your flesh uses to produce jealousy and envy and covetousness where you're always thinking about and seeing people and things with an ungodly desire. This is eye disease. This is spiritual blindness. The lust of the eyes is, is rooted in the lust of the flesh, and it leads to the third thing on the list, which is the pride of life. The pride of life is, I already know it. Don't tell me that. I already heard it. I already know it. Pride. Eye disease. What's the middle letter of pride? I. I. Me, myself, and I. That's what I think about. And what happens there is uh, that you, you end up, and this happens, even as Christians, we can end up seeing ourselves and only ourselves. We're self-centered people. And we come across with self-importance, and the only thing we want to talk about and are concerned about is me. And so... Along with that comes this ego, this superiority, this entitlement, this arrogance. And uh, pride is the kind of sin and disease that you're the last to know. Because <laughs> everything's only in all about you. So it's vital, and especially during the season of the shofar, but all the time, that we're checking ourselves... Checking our desires, our opinions, our feelings, our beliefs to make sure that we're not exalting something above God's will. Amen. The Message Bible in today's beginning scripture, Deuteronomy 11, says, I brought you today to the crossroads of blessing and cursing. The crossroads. And each of us, in our own personal way, is constantly arriving at the next crossroad. When is all this going to end? When Jesus comes. <laughs> when do I have to stop growing and changing and making decisions about the next crossroad in life? When Jesus comes. When this uh, uh, mortality puts on immortality. When this corruption puts on incorruption. And you go on into all eternity. Then it's over. Until then we're fighting the good fight of faith. Until then there's spiritual warfare to be done. So we're always arriving at the next crossroad. And that can wear on people. But don't get weary in well doing. Because there's a harvest for you. The question that should always present itself 
is will we do what is right in our own eyes according to our own feelings did you grow up in the era of if it feels good do it (laughs) that's a value you see it playing out right now all those situational ethic uh, classes that professors were teaching back in the 70s is now playing out these teachers and professors and people and heads of corporations and on and on and like politicians you know if it feels good do it I don't have to abide by any su- supreme authority I'm going by what I feel is right or what I learn in a communist handbook <laughs> Deuteronomy 12.28, part of today's study says, Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever. How long is forever? (laughs) Forever. (laughs) When you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. So, pretty clear message, isn't it? Trust God's eyes and His uh, perspectives and not your own. And your own perspectives are very likely, especially early on in your Christianity, are preconceived. Right? Before you got born again. You developed a whole bunch of thinking and opinions and beliefs and values. Now that you're born again, what you value, what you believe, may not be what God values and believes. And that's the process of growing in faith, growing in maturity, having spiritual vision. Because you need to get your mind off of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, these, uh, these kind of things, and back into uh, uh, distinguishing, discerning, comparing, am I doing this God's way? Or am I self-deceived and doing it my way? You're Frank Sinatra all over again. I did it my way. Well, that's not the theme of the Christian. So this leads me into sharing an amazing insight uh, from an article I was reading about this week. I love to read different perspectives on Torah study throughout the week. And uh, a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Schiffman wrote uh, something that's worth processing. Uh, Don't always believe what you see. Don't always believe what you see. And uh, we we were laughing about this earlier, but he he talked about the invisible gorilla experiment. The invisible gorilla experiment. And he makes a fantastic point uh, that's known in scientific circles as called selective attention. Selective attention. And it underscores why we need to trust God's laws over our own beliefs, which again could be founded on all of these things the Apostle John warned us about. 
So what is the invisible gorilla experiment? Well, uh, he, they, these researchers, scientists, uh, ask people to count how many times a basketball was being passed among the six participants. So they all in a circle, six, and they start passing a basketball. And so the observer is supposed to count how many times that basketball is getting passed over the course of 60 seconds. Uh, About uh, 20 seconds or so into the experiment, Uh, They send a person dressed in a gorilla costume who visibly, conspicuously walks through the people passing the ball. And he actually bangs on his chest and continues walking through the scene. This is an experiment. At the end... And, uh, uh, of course, this is a video people are watching. And at the end of the video, uh, people taking part of the, in the experiment are asked how many passes took place. And then they all had their answers, but after that, the researchers asked them if they saw a gorilla. And shockingly, about half the people that were in the study, in the experiment, did not notice the gorilla. Selective attention. I'm so focused on one thing, I can't see something that's pretty fantastic or extraordinary. And so, moral of story, people often miss things that are right in front of their eyes. Okay, And that's because they're focusing over here on one thing, counting how many passes, that they totally miss something else, a man in a gorilla costume. And this is what they call selective attention. And it's a concept that we need to think about in our own lives, in that in our natural state, We see things we want to see. And it's very possible to exclude things, spiritual blindness, to exclude things from our vision because we're so focused on what we want for our lives, what we want to get out of life for us, that we forget to see another side or another aspect of the picture. And so when it comes to living for God... And doing his will because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's very possible that good Christian people are missing the will of God. They're not seeing the need to apply God's word. We're forever learning and we're not necessarily forever doing. And so God's guidelines... His principles may not really be at work in our lives. And the worst thing is we may not even see that. Right? I always say this to my wife and my staff. I hate to be the last to know. Uh, I run Larry Huck Ministries. And there are lots of moving parts. Lots of spinning plates. And there's a business axiom that says, fail fast. 
I don't want to wait six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks or down the road to realize something's gone wrong. There's a leak in our boat six weeks later. I want to know six hours later, six minutes later. So it's not always how fast you get the good news. (laughs) Sometimes it's how fast you get the bad news. But we don't want to hear the bad news. I don't want anybody sizing up my good and bad points. I don't even want to size up my... Don't ask me though. And I'm sure not going to ask myself, am I doing it right or wrong? And then when the Holy Spirit comes and starts to nudge us, all of a sudden we're rebuking the devil. (laughs) Get me behind me, Satan. When it very likely could be the word... Now, I'm not saying live in... Uh, constant criticism, live in constant condemnation. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about, Lord, if there's something I'm missing here that's leading me into curses more than blessings, I don't want to be the last to know. I want to be open enough that you'll say, Scott, (laughs) check this out, buddy. You got some uh, resentful attitude, an unforgiving attitude. You're this, you're that, you're the other thing. And guess what? On God's calendar, He says, I'm going to sound the shofar for 40 days, starting tomorrow night. And I'm going to uh, use that to arouse you from any spiritual slumber so that you're not trapped into living life thinking you're doing it right. And in reality, oh my gosh, brother. Right? That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13.5, or is it 2 Corinthians? Examine yourself to see if you're of the faith. Am I really walking by faith here, Lord? Or am I just playing church? Okay. So, this is why many people don't advance into the blessed life. Even though they believe in God, they had a born-again experience, they're attending church, but at the gut level, their vision is laser-focused on all the wrong things. Right, And God is reduced probably to, you know, the 90 minutes at church. Now, obviously, I'm speaking and preaching to the choir. You don't resemble that remark. You're doing it the right way. But those that aren't becoming rich towards God, they got a problem. Houston, we got ourselves a problem here. And that's because of these preconceived things. These ideas, these thoughts, these values, these beliefs, some are so deeply rooted that we don't even realize we have them. And we don't want to ask anybody to point them out. (laughs) But God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Right? And then... uh, In this article, there's another aspect that uh, is brought out that not only uh, do we not see things that are right in front of us, we don't see how the Word of God is either leading to blessing or curse. We're not distinguishing. But then there's also this idea that we're seeing things that uh, in front of us that are really not there. 
okay? Sometimes we mistakenly see things that really aren't in front of us. And so he talks about this uh, professor and researcher in psychology and neuroscience who studies magic tricks. And one trick that he studied is the vanishing ball illusion. And this is where the magician uses misdirection to make people think that they saw a ball vanish in midair. And so there are numerous explanations for why people think they saw something. But it's clear that people believe that they saw something that really didn't happen. And so when I'm reading this, I'm starting to think about my life, how I do things, thinking about how do I teach this, and I related it to today's teaching and that it's possible for you and I to live a Christian life but live under an illusion. That's uh, to say that someone, you, I, whoever, is mistakenly thinking they're living for God but they're really not. And I thought about the principle in Luke 6.46. And out of the Passion Translation, it says, What good does it do for you to say, I am your Lord and Master, if you don't put into practice what I teach? So we're saying, Lord, Lord, and yet we're not really doing much of what the Bible... We're not... All all I got is John 3.16. That's all I want to know. I'm not sure you're going to like how that goes with you and Jesus when you go through the pearly gate. I got John 3, 6, and that thing gets replayed back. I don't want to be accountable for any more truth. (laughs) I strongly urge you not to have that mentality. (laughs) And then I got to thinking how this also corresponds to the concept That unfounded, baseless, unjustified fears that we believe are true are in reality untrue. Much of fear is untrue. Why can't I do this thing when God says you can do all things? Fear, it's an illusion. Fear is an illusion. It's a trick. It's deception. And it's no coincidence that this Torah study goes on to talk about false prophets who will teach things that you think are true, but in reality they're untrue. And that's the very thing that the Antichrist comes to do. Using lying signs and wonders to convince people that his way is better than God's way. So, as these things are working, in the end, none of it leads to the blessing of God, but inevitably leads to curses. And, and so, I, I don't know, where everybody's at a different level, but we need to be open to the Holy Ghost, to the Word of God, to understand and discern and distinguish and, and, and really perceive, what does all of this mean in my life? And the shofar is blowing starting tomorrow night for 40 days to motivate us and inspire us to take a look, to see. 
That's spiritual vision, right? And that's how really you get into accomplishing more of your spiritual destiny. If there's been more curses than blessings this past year, then God's shofar is a call to begin to more assertively work with the Lord, work with the Word, to remove these impediments, these obstacles, and reverse these curses and move into more of the blessing and the abundant life. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 29.18 says, Without a prophetic vision, the people perish. Because they throw off all restraint without a prophetic vision. But he who keeps Torah is happy. The Hebrew word for vision here means mental or spiritual sight. What we think about, on the, what are we seeing on the inside? It's derived from a root word which means to mentally perceive, to contemplate, to have a vision of, to behold, to look, to prophesy, to see spiritually. And so that's kind of like the quest in life, right? Our Christian life is a journey. It's a quest. It's an adventure. And some of it is learning how to be more self-aware. God, help me to be more self-aware. And all the spouses said, Amen. <laughs> but in, in the end, it's God, give me eyes to see. Give me spiritual eyes to see. That's Ray. Rie. Give me ears to hear. That's Shema. Amen. And may we be filled with prophetic vision, divine revelation. A discerning spirit to distinguish all the guidelines and principles. And if there's areas in our life where we're not seeing the breakthrough, God has an answer. His word has an answer. There's a word, a promise that will bring breakthrough and miracles for every single circumstance. We just have to have eyes to see it and ears to want to hear it. And when we do, the curses diminish and the blessings increase. And that's the way we like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> amen? Say amen with me. Amen and amen. Well, there you go. That's our Torah study. God love you. God bless you. Remember to go to the uh, website and get that devotional. 40 different video teachings by Pastor Larry. Uh, and uh, take you right on through all the way to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement.